0: chapter nineteen of overruled by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nineteen i don't like it mr leonard maxwell sat with an open letter before him staring thoughtfully into space he had been so sitting for perhaps three-quarters of an hour there seemed as he from time to time referred to it to be some connection between the letter and his thought yet it was a very short letter to have roused such grave and apparently unsatisfactory study less than a dozen lines comprised the whole it ran thus my dear leonard at last the impossible has been accomplished and i am to have a vacation to be entirely honest i've done what you said i would overworked we have had a good deal of sickness this spring and i've been run to death when i got where i could not sleep nights even though i had a chance i determined to call a halt i've arranged with weston and barnes to divide my calls between them and i'm planning for a whole month of play the question is do you want me to come and play with you i know you are at work perhaps i can play for you when i can't with you if there is room where you are staying wire me and i'll come on at once as ever frank when the three-quarters had lengthened into an hour mr maxwell sprang up letter in hand and hurried downstairs as though an idea had just occurred to him mrs edmonds was in her sitting-room alone may i come in he asked i have a very large favor to ask i hardly know how to commence it because i am aware that you do not keep a boarding-house do you suppose you could be induced to take pity on another man if i will agree to share my room with him he laughed at mrs edmonds's look of bewilderment you think my sudden attack of benevolence needs explanation why it is just this way there are only two of us my brother frank and i frank is a hard-worked physician who hasn't taken a vacation since he graduated and now is to have a month of enforced rest mother is abroad as you know so he can't be with her and he naturally thought of me is it asking too much mrs edmonds greatly surprised considered the pros and cons expressed courteous interest in his brother and polite regret that she had not more room to spare in her house Then asked tentatively what seemed to be an embarrassing question am i to understand that you very much desire to make this arrangement mr maxwell that gentleman hesitated a flush rising on his usually pale face and slowly spreading until it reached his temples he laughed in response to her questioning look mrs edmonds do not make me too much ashamed of myself he said hurriedly i have been fighting a battle with selfishness for the last hour my brother frank is the best fellow in the world and there is not a man living that i so much desire to see yet can you understand a little how hard it is for me to deliberately put away from myself a portion of this summer she felt that he must know she understood and smiled gravely as she said yet it must be a pleasure to you to think of having an entire month with the brother from whom you have been so much separated of course it must he said quickly and if you can arrange for it without too much inconvenience i shall be grateful otherwise i ought to plan to meet him at some other point the evident distress in his tone as he added that last thought touched the mother's heart oh we shall be able to arrange for it she said it is only you who will be inconvenienced on account of the limited number of rooms he thanked her hurriedly and went away to send his telegram while mrs edmonds sought her daughter and began to plan for the addition to their family i don't like it marjorie said with a shadow on her face we are so cosy now and have such good times together we three a fourth will be almost sure to spoil it all it isn't within reason to expect the other brother to be so nice as this one mamma i am even afraid we shall dislike him that would certainly be sad said mrs edmonds breaking into a laugh but since he is this one's brother and wants to visit him we could do no less than receive him could we dear oh of course not but it will be disagreeable you see if it isn't he will not be in the least like leonard brothers never are with which most ambiguous sentence she turned away without catching her mother's slight quickly suppressed sigh her daughter's preference for the present mr maxwell was too outspoken for her to build any castles upon in truth mrs edmonds's castles troubled her not a little during these days absolutely certain of mr maxwell's desires and he made it apparent to her that they grew stronger with each passing day she could not see that her daughter thought of him as other than a very exceptionally choice brother sometimes her impatience with the obtuseness of a girl who was so quick to observe in all other lines brought her to the verge of speech it was only mr maxwell's reiterated assurance that he would not for the world have marjorie's peace disturbed that held the mother to silence meantime the policy of the two to be always seen together was being literally carried out the mornings on mr maxwell's part were given to uninterrupted work but every afternoon found him at leisure to walk or ride or read according as marjorie's mood dictated quite often now she yielded to her mother's wish to be left undisturbed at home and took long walks or drives with mr maxwell occasionally and as the days passed this grew to be a frequent occurrence they would call for hannah bramlett to accompany them these excursions were more often than otherwise errands of mercy to the factory portion of the town the gaping world must have looked on with exceeding interest during those long bright summer days as mr maxwell drove gayly by or sauntered leisurely along with marjorie edmonds and hannah bramlett for his companions it was mr maxwell who had first suggested hannah as a companion at least when marjorie was expressing her indignation concerning the gossip and her sorrow that a good well-meaning girl like hannah bramlett should have been its victim he asked to what extent it had victimized her and when marjorie explained that she seemed to have almost no intimate friends and that some foolish people apparently stood aloof from her on account of the stories, though no respectable person believed them, he had said, "'There is remedy for such a state of things. Why don't we cultivate her acquaintance? If we are to call in friendly fashion, and invite her to drive with us, for instance, occasionally, wouldn't it be helpful?' Marjorie had clasped her hands in an ecstasy of satisfaction it is the very thing she exclaimed why do you always think of things to be done and why do they never come to me it is doubtful if mr maxwell meant to inaugurate such a state of affairs as immediately followed he might even have kept silence had he known that he would be so literally and constantly interpreted marjorie planned a walk for that very afternoon with hannah bramlett for an accompaniment and two days afterwards proposed that she drive with them to the schuyler farm where they were going to call it was certainly hard to have a third person so frequently interposed but mr maxwell could not despite this help enjoying hannah's evident comfort in these excursions and her mother's no less evident satisfaction over them for the bramlets were in sore trouble during these days and whatever contributed to their sense of self-respect was so much balm to their wounded sensibilities. It was now nearly a month since the painful episode in Ralph Bramlett's parlor. All the people who suffered that night had a chance to grow accustomed to the pain and to try to accommodate themselves to the inevitable. So far as Mr. Maxwell and Marjorie's share in the scene, they had kept it quite to themselves marjorie could not be sure whether or not any other person knew of the manner of ralph's homecoming and its disgraceful cause how much the girl lena surmised or how far she was to be trusted were matters of which marjorie could not be certain she deemed it safer to remain in ignorance than to ask questions with regard to the insulting words spoken to herself she had received from estelle bramlett a cold little note offering a semi-apology for any thoughtless words that she might have spoken in her distraction mr bramlett she explained had been overcome by fatigue and had hastily swallowed a tonic by a physician's advice it proved to contain alcohol and his system being entirely unaccustomed to the drug had responded promptly hence the disgraceful scene which she was sorry to say marjorie and her friend had witnessed she supposed it was not necessary to remind her of the importance of its not being made known it is doubtful if marjorie was not even more hurt by this note of supposed apology she showed it to mr maxwell her lip quivering a little as she said that last fling is hard to bear she was half insane with fear and grief the other night and it did not matter what she said but this is premeditated mr maxwell had returned the note with a grave face and had answered still marjorie you can afford to feel only sorrow for her she is mistaken if she supposes that a few swallows of prescribed medicine put her husband into the condition that he was last night i have the very gravest fears for his future his is a temperament with which alcohol makes short work marjorie had paled before the suggestion that his words implied she said passionately that she could not have this friend of her childhood sink into a drunkard's grave why did he have fears did he not believe in prayer and had not he covenanted with her to pray for ralph until he was converted no he said in grave earnestness forgive me marjorie if i pain you but i did not make any such promise grace is free there is no forcing process in the plan of salvation what mr bramlett wills must be if he will not be saved be sure that god will respect even that then what is the promise worth whatsoever ye ask in my name believing ye shall receive my friend it is worth everything if in answer to my prayer i receive god's assurance that that for which i plead shall be then indeed i can continue to ask believing it is like the solid rock to my feet and i know i can claim its fulfilment though i may have to wait a lifetime nay long after my life here is over have you such an assurance in regard to ralph bramlett yes she said steadily I know ralph will yet receive what i most desire for him then thank god for the assurance and hold to it he never fails yet marjorie even at the moment could not help wondering whether the feeling that she had was assurance or a determination on her part that what she desired should be the thought made her say almost complainingly sometimes leonard i cannot help wondering why the way of life was made so hard in a sense hard for obstinate natures i mean why must one's diseased will be held in such honor why not save men in spite of themselves when you give entrance to such thoughts do you remember what salvation really is would heaven be heaven to me if i did not want to be there hated the power that reigns there desired to be free from his presence of course not i meant why did not god compel people to love him whether they would or not can you make yourself love a person marjorie no she said blushing under his earnest gaze but god could make me could he what would such love be worth how much could it be depended upon oh she said turning away half impatiently i know i'm talking nonsense but it does not seem to me sometimes as though i could have people managing their lives in the way they do i cannot help thinking that if i had the power i would make them do differently i understand you god himself uses that power continually i suppose the remainder of wrath he restrains you remember but when it comes to forcing love and confidence i can imagine what utterly disappointing machines we should make i would not care for the allegiance of the very dearest thing on earth if it were a forced allegiance sometimes i think that this world of punishment about which we talk so much and understand so little is simply the gathering together of beings who will not accept the destiny for which they were intended in a place by themselves away from those whose bliss would only make their self-ruin more complete in other words that god does for them the best that he can since they refuse his best poor marjorie was obliged to confess to herself that she had very little outward appearance on which to build her assurance for ralph bramlett's future it is true that he might have been taken unawares on that fateful evening and such an experience might not happen to him again but he was undeniably and indeed openly engaged in the liquor traffic from the evening that he had boldly proclaimed it to his wife he had not made the slightest attempt at further concealment indeed before the next day was over he went to his father and in a long argument laboured to convince him that the step he had taken was in the interest of good citizenship he had protected the imperiled corner from unprincipled persons and established a law-abiding business about which not a whisper of reasonable complaint could be made his sister hannah repeated these and kindred statements to marjorie her lip curling over them the while once she interrupted herself to ask did you suppose that ralph could ever become such a fool what his wife thought marjorie could not positively discover evidently she had reconsidered her determination made on that dreadful evening and had not claimed the shelter of her father's house she was to all appearances living her life in her husband's house as before but marjorie knew from glyde douglas who was not only deeply distressed but frightened as to what might come next that the apparent calm was only on the surface the distressed sister owned with tears that ralph and estelle did not even speak to each other they sat together at meals as before and observed all the outward proprieties but estelle had told her that she had not spoken one word to her husband since the morning after she had discovered the disgraceful business with which he had identified himself nor did she intend to until he should rid himself entirely of all connection with it and ask her pardon for the offence what conversation passed between them before this period of ominous silence was reached marjorie could surmise better than glide meantime the tongues of the gossips ran freely those who were able to say i told you so rejoiced over those who had not believed the reports moreover if rumour was to be credited already the boasted quietness of the corner store was being interrupted and scenes more or less directly connected with it were being enacted not quite in accordance with good citizenship such was the condition of affairs at the time that mr maxwell was expecting his brother End of chapter nineteen